0: Sing together, ready? Lord's and Revival
1: we've had a wonderful week looking forward to tonight and uh, I know the young people looking forward to a wonderful night as well we'll take a head count for young people that are staying so we can have the right amount of pizza during the offering all right so don't worry about that we'll get that counted but I'm glad you're here tonight looking forward to what God has for us let's begin with a word of prayer father we love you we thank you for the day we thank you for this evening we thank you for the week that you've given to us. And, Father, I pray that you would use tonight and, and use the Word of God and the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts. Father, I pray for that one that's here tonight that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior, that today, tonight would be that night that they accept Christ and, Lord, um, that they understand salvation. Father, I pray that for us that know Christ as our Savior, that we would be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. May all that's done be glorifying to thee. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Take your hymnal, please. Turn to 633. 633. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves even me. Will you stand with me, please? Everyone singing together. I am so glad that our Father in heaven Tells of his love in the book he has given Wonderful things in the Bible I see. This is the dearest that Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves even me. Verse 3, please. Oh, if there's only one song I can sing. This shall my song in eternity be. Oh, what a wonder that Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves even me. Thank you. You may be seated. And right now the teen choir is going to sing, I Have Come to Save You.
2: Save you. I have come to save you and call.
0: Thank you, young people. Wonderful testimony in song. This is our last chance this week to sing our chorus together, Let Revival Begin in Me. I hope you mean it when you sing it. Will you stand with me, please, and let's sing it together. Lord send revival, start the work in me, forgive my sin is my plea, take my life and make me what you'd have me be, Lord I surrender all, let revival begin in me, youth choirs coming down, fellowship with those around you please. and revival start the work in me forgive my sin cleanse within this is my plea take my life begin in me Thank you. Be seated, please. Hymn number 605 is where we'll turn now. 605. Oh, it is wonderful to be a Christian. 605. Let's stay seated while we sing, please. (laughs) Life has purpose now it never had before. There is meaning to each day and even more. For a joy and peace I can't explain is mine. Since I found new life in Christ, my Lord divine. Oh, it is wonderful to be a Christian. Oh, it is wonderful to be God's child. Oh, it is wonderful to have your sins forgiven. Oh, it is wonderful to be redeemed, justified, forever reconciled. I can go directly to the Lord in prayer. He has told me I may boldly enter there, and He listens as His promises I plead. I find mercy there and grace for every need. Oh, it is wonderful. To be a Christian, oh, it is wonderful to be God's child, oh, it is wonderful to have your sins forgiven, oh, it is wonderful to be redeemed, justified, forever reconciled. And the hope of heaven's glory thrills me so, where I live with Christ forevermore I know, That is why the things of earth I loosely hold. I'm eternal riches, better far than gold. Oh, it is wonderful to be a Christian. Oh, it is wonderful to be God's child.
2: Oh, it is wonderful to have your sins forgiven.
1: You're old enough to eat pizza, all right? I want, and you're in this section or that section. Stand for me so we can get a head count. I saw a few adults. Yeah, they, yeah. So if I can have some ushers count these two sections. You guys don't have to stand yet. We'll get to you in a second. Y'all want pizza, I know. Don't worry, we're going to get it to you. All right, we got those two sections. All right, now, if you're a young person in these two sections and you want pizza, you're young at heart, young at heart, that's right, stand, and we'll get a head count on these two sections. All right, we got it. Thank you, young people, we have a seat. I want to encourage you to vote. Uh, This is voting season, and we're going to keep pounding that, uh, that drum until it's over. And I encourage you to do your civic duty, but we believe also a spiritual duty to be salt and light, to be an influence in this in our nation. And um, we want to be able. To, the Bible tells us about to pray for those in authority, so that we live a peaceful peaceful life and be able to preach the gospel. And uh, one of the ways we can do is we can pray, but we can also vote, and hopefully that will add to the peace. Sometimes it doesn't, but we hope it does. All right, so I encourage you to do that, and then also all the offerings this week, including tonight's. Uh, goes to the Clark family, and uh, we thank them for coming. It's been a blessing to have them, and uh, they have ministered to us faithfully in the Word. And the Bible teaches us that when someone ministers spiritually, that we should then return to them something that's carnal, all right? Not carnal as in sinful, but carnal as this world, all right? And uh, it's interesting to think about, this is how we can take care of those who come to minister to us. We're to help them on their way. That doesn't mean we kick them out, all right? Uh, but we're to help them on their way as they continue to serve the Lord, and that's what we want to be, a blessing to this family. And so I'm going to ask uh, Brother Wright, if you would step to the mic, ask God's blessing on this offering.
3: Heavenly Father, Lord, just thank you for this awesome week that we were able to be in your house, Lord. Just uh, please, Lord, as we uh, go about our business this coming weeks, Lord, to think of revival in our hearts, Lord. And, help, Lord, and we just pray that you'll uh, be with Brother Clark as he uh, goes from here, Lord, onto his uh, his next uh, Station here in West Virginia, Lord, and and uh, be with him and his family as they uh, make the transition, Lord. Again, we just ask that you uh, be with him tonight as he brings the word, Lord. Help us to be attentive, help us to uh, open our hearts and and uh, and hear what he has to say, Lord. And we ask that you be with this offering now, Lord, and allow it to uh, bless the Clark family. Uh, we thank you for all that they've done this week, and we just pray for the uh, youth tonight as they do uh, the different activities and and the young people tonight. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, Amen.
0: Amen. That was Adrian Roscoe. Thank you, Adrian. Beautifully done. What a blessing. 648, please. 648. Now I belong to Jesus. We'll stay seated while we sing this. Number 648. Jesus, my Lord, will love me forever. From him, no power of He gave his life to ransom my soul. Now I belong. sing the third stanza, and the ensemble, please make your way to the platform to sing in just a moment. Joy floods my soul. Joy floods my soul, for Jesus has saved me, freed me from sin that long had enslaved me. His precious blood he gave to redeem. Now I belong.
2: enough my say
1: This, this mic here. Amen. Thank you so much, young people, and to all those young people that have ministered this evening. We are going to dismiss third grade and down at this time. They have their class third grade and down. I think one of my sons just sprinted out the back door, so I'm going to talk to him about not being so excited to leave the preaching. Amen. Well, it's been a blessing this week to have the Clarks. Brother Clark, come preach to us.
3: Thank you, preacher. appreciate you. Thank you so much. It's good to be here on this Friday evening. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else other than in God's house. Amen. You know, I thank you, pastor, for having us. You know, I thank you so much for the love, the food. My goodness. I'm leaving here more of a man than I came, that's for sure. And so I'm thankful for that. And uh, you pray for us. Thank you for the room, the, the prayers, the encouragement, the love, the fellowship. I love your pastor and the families here. And I feel like I'm leaving family. I really do. And uh, I'd like to take some of you with me over in West Virginia, but uh, you got a work to do here in Chesapeake. So I thank God for you. You pray for us. We'll be traveling out tomorrow. Uh, We'll be heading into West Virginia. Uh, No, I don't need a passport to get into West Virginia. Everybody keeps asking me that. I needed a passport to get in Virginia. But uh, anyway, (laughs) we're just glad. Uh, How many of you like to move? Anybody like to move? I hate moving. I am so thankful to God that when I move into my mansion in heaven, there ain't going to be no U-Haul behind me. Amen? Amen. I don't have to lift up no furniture. It is already furnished, and it's all the right color. It is in the right place, and I don't have to move anything in it. Jesus Christ prepared a place for me. He did all the moving. Boy, that'll preach. I'm going to have to preach on that one day. Jesus Christ is my mover. Amen. Well, we're not going to preach on that tonight, but it's been good to be in the house of the Lord this week. You know, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And I've tried my best this week to give you the Word of God. I always want people to leave with the Bible. I don't ever want them to leave with just my words. I'm always wanting them to understand that the Word of God is what's alive. The Word of God is what is so powerful. The Word of God is what is so needed. And the Word of God is something that will open up our eyes to see the reality in which we are living so I want us to look in a passage of scripture this evening to close out the revival in, in uh, John chapter number 6. John chapter number 6, we see the beginning stages of a huge miracle. One of my favorite miracles, again, I love to eat, so the feeding of the 5,000 is a great miracle, amen. I love to read about this miracle, I love to read about what Jesus did. But we're not actually going to get into the actual miracle. We're going to start with the first few verses, and we're going to see the message tonight to be able to help us to open our eyes a little bit. Now look in this passage of Scripture beginning in verse number 1. After these things, Jesus went over to the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great multitude followed Him because they saw His miracles, which He did on them, that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples, and the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. Look at verse number 5. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw. You know, when I was growing up, I tried my best to think that I could possibly be a doctor one day. But there's one thing about being a doctor that I did not want to do. I didn't want to have to dissect anybody. I didn't want to have to cut on anybody. I didn't want to see any blood. That's why when I go hunting, I'll shoot the deer, but somebody else can gut it and clean it and process it and then bring me back the deer jerky. Amen. And so I I don't like any of those things. In fact, when I go to the doctor or something, they'll sit there and they'll say, you know, uh, I'm going to have to give you a shot. Great. Do you want to look? No, I don't want to watch you giving me a shot. In fact, they'll say, do you want me to count down? No, just surprise me because the, it's just going to kill me just figuring out when you're actually going to hit me in that arm. And I'll never forget one day I was over in camp. I was at Camp Rapidam and we were having camp. Well, I had, I had gotten uh, something up my foot. And so when I got something up my foot, I actually got infected. So guess what? I had to go to the doctor. Well, we went to the nurse's station at the camp. She couldn't do enough for me, so we actually had to go to the hospital. Well, I get over to the hospital, and this woman comes in, and she comes in, and she says, well, I'm going to have to give you a shot. And she says, okay. And I said, okay. I said, okay. And she says, okay, let me, uh, let me go ahead and get the needle. She gets the needle, and this is no lie. She gets the needle. She does that little squirt in front of me. I'm already about to pass out. And she says, oh, I'm sorry. I got the wrong needle. Then she comes in with a sword. I mean, that's what it looked like. It looked like a sword. And I was scared half to death. From that point forward, I knew God did not want me to be a doctor like that. Well, there was one doctor I could have been, and that was an eye doctor. Now, I have to wear contacts. I have to wear reading glasses. Why? Because my eyes don't work as good as they used to. And so when I go to the eye doctor, many times I'll go there and I'll get very frustrated with the eye doctor. What do they do? They put those little things in front of your eyes and say, is one clearer than two or two clearer than three? I'm stressing out the whole time. I'm like, I don't know. It looks all the same sometimes. And you get frustrated. I'll never forget the doctor. He was going through all of this. I said, sir. Sir. I have got a headache the size of Texas. And he says, oh, it's probably because your prescriptions changed. I said, no, it's because you're asking me all these questions and I am stressing to death right now. So guess what I do? I go to see an anxiety doctor. Well, you know, being an eye doctor was something I probably could have done because I'm good at confusing people. Amen. And so when I thought about that, I began to think about this passage of Scripture because I realized that this great miracle started with a look. It started with a look. And Jesus Christ saw something, and a multitude of people saw something. I believe with all of my heart that we as Christians are blinded to the truth. And let me tell you why I say that. Because in our comfortable Christianity, in our American way of doing things, we are blinded because of complacency. We're blinded because we just really don't need God all the time. We are okay. And you know what the devil does? He puts these blinders in front of our eyes, and we forget why we are here. My life is not to glorify Mike Clark. My life is not to glorify my family. My life is to glorify my Heavenly Father. The Bible says, whether therefore ye eat, and I'll do it, I'll glorify him in eating, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Why am I here? I'm here to glorify God. Listen, folks, we are going to glorify God in heaven for all eternity. Let's start now. But you know what it's going to take? Us opening up our eyes to see what Jesus sees. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for just what you've done this week. Lord, I thank you how you've opened our eyes. Lord, I I thank you how you've spoken to our hearts. Lord, I thank you for the response to the messages this week. Lord, we need you tonight. Lord, we know that there is a world that's dying without you. And Father, we are so complacent. We get so comfortable in the lives that we're in that Lord, we don't tell people about Jesus like we should. We don't live the kind of life that we should in front of them. We don't show them Jesus with our life. And so Father, tonight, convict our hearts to open our eyes and see through your eyes. Lord, help us to see. Help us to know. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you look at this passage of scripture, you begin to look in verse number one. It says, after these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them, that were diseased. So here we see, first of all, the multitude. What did they see? They saw Jesus Christ. He had performed miracles upon those that had diseases. There were many diseases that they had. These diseases were caused. Causing them not to be able to go back to work. These were diseases that were causing them not to be able to enjoy life. And so here they saw right before their very eyes Jesus Christ healing those people. And so the Bible says that as they were looking out, this great multitude of people started following Jesus. Why were they following Jesus? Because they saw a few things. They saw hope. Maybe there were some of them that had ailments that were for a long period of time, and they were wishing and they were hoping that they could absolutely get rid of all of that sickness. And so they saw right before their very eyes, they saw Jesus Christ. And they saw there was a power in that man. There was a power in God himself that could release them of that affliction. And so as they're looking out, they saw hope they saw healing. They saw the chance to have happiness again. I mean, I started to study some of the people that were healed in the scriptures which Jesus healed, and let me tell you what. When they got healed, they got happy. Every single one of them got happy after they were healed. Not one of them went back to Jesus and said, would you mind giving me back my affliction? Would you mind making me sick again? No. Once they got healed, they were happy. So this multitude was following Jesus. It wasn't just a small group of people, as you find out later on in that passage. This was a great group of people. And they were looking, they were following, and they were following Jesus because they saw hope, because they saw healing. Let me tell you something, Christian. You know what this world should see in the life that we live? They should see hope and they should see healing. Not in what we can do, but because our life reflects. Jesus Christ, because our life reflects The holy word of God. All scripture is given by what? Inspiration of God. And we should be living this book. We should be living this life so that while we're over out here in Chesapeake, Virginia, and we're walking around and they hear us talk, they don't hear a worldly person. They don't see a worldly person. They see somebody that's different. They see somebody that's peculiar. And they start to wonder what's different about that person. I think it's so important, folks that we act like Christians in this world today. Too many times where we're compromising. Too many times we're starting to mirror up with them and we're starting to look like them where we're starting to act like them. And so the world is looking at us and they're looking at them and they're saying, I ain't seen no difference. I don't see anything different from from the world. I don't see anything different from a Christian. So if if a Christian looks like the world and the world looks like a Christian, and look at me, I look like both of them, so I must be okay. Oh, this world needs to see people that are living the way that Jesus Christ wants us to live. What thus saith the Lord God. And so this multitude, what did they see? They saw hope, they saw healing, they saw happiness and maybe they were curious, I don't know, but they saw a chance to get rid of this problem. And then verse number three, it says there, and Jesus went up into a mountain and there he sat with his disciples and the Passover feast of the Jews was nigh. Then Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw. I love this part here. Because now we're going to look through the eyes of Jesus to see exactly what he saw. He lifted up his eyes. What did you see, Jesus, when you're, sta- when you're sitting there and you begin to see this great company coming? What do you see? As you transpire to look through this passage of scripture, you will notice that he saw a people that needed help. I am so glad and so thankful tonight that I can prove, I can show you, I know without a shadow of a doubt that God knows every single affliction. God knows every single problem that I go through. But let me tell you something tonight. God knows every problem that you go through. He knows every difficult situation you go through. And He knows how to help you in that situation. In fact if you look over in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 and 16 the Bible says for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but within all points tempted like as we are yet without sin let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Folks, let me tell you something. We are looking to the world for help, and we're looking for help in the wrong place. We look for other people that write these books on how to get through life and we think that they're going to help us. Let me tell you something. There's a God in heaven that has all the help that you need. There's a God in heaven that can direct you to know how to get through that affliction, how to get through those hard times. And I'm so thankful that when that help comes, I can rely on it completely. I don't have to worry about it being wrong. I don't have to worry about him him saying, well, I'm just going to use you as a guinea pig to see if this works. No, no. When God gives us the help, it's the right help, amen? Can you imagine going to the doctor? The doctor says, hey, I've got perfect medicine for you. I, know, I, I am guaranteeing you this is going to fix your problem. What would you do? Would you say, no, I don't want to take that? No, you'd say, bring it on. Give it to me. I want it. Why? Because I know that's the right stuff. And if you tell me it's the right stuff, if you tell me it's the right medicine, it'll fix my problem. Well, I thank God that he's got the right help. And so as I look at this, I see Jesus was looking out and he saw a people that needed help. I mean, these people were afflicted. These people were diseased. Maybe there was sin in their life also, but the fact of the matter is this. Jesus Christ saw that they needed help. He also saw that they were hungry. I mean, why in the world would he even come to the point to where he's going to feed those 5,000 people? Why in the world would he come to the point where he would take those five loaves and two fishes and start to multiply because they were hungry? When you get hungry, you want what? You want food. And so that's exactly where he saw. He saw those people. As he's looking out, he sees people that needed help. He says sees people that are hungry. But I also think that he saw people that need to see The power of God. Folks, I think this world needs to see the power of God work in a Christian's life. You know what they need to see? They need to see the power of God working in Great Hope Baptist Church. They need to see it, whether they like it or not. They need to see it. But guess what? It's gonna take you and I making sure that we're right with God to allow the power of God to work. Oh, I'm sick and tired of just reading of old churches and revivals of old, of all the things that happened in the past and the glorious things that God did and people telling me how the power of God worked in that church and that church and that church. I'm like, oh God, what about this church? What about your power just coming through and we seeing an in Holy Spirit revival, a real one, not a feel good one. Not a one that says it's all about my feelings, it's all about me. There's a lot of that mess going on today. I'm talking about a Holy Spirit filled revival where God's people get right with Him and people start realizing and their eyes start opening and they see the importance of their life and they see that they're there to glorify God. You know what it's going to take? It's going to take us seeing through the eyes of Jesus Christ. But I believe that God sees us today. And he sees a group of people that need to see his power. I really believe the United States of America. I don't want them to see the judgment of God. I really don't because I'm here and I get to feel some of it too. But i tell you one thing, I would much rather him see this world, start to see the power of God begin to work in a church to where it begins to flourish and it begins to see things change and begins to see things that are different from the world and start to grow and see God bless it completely. Can God do it? Can he? I mean, do we really believe that God can do it? I don't believe we do. I really don't believe we do. I mean, as I preach for revival and even in my own self, we get so complacent in our lives. I mean, my goodness, we've got cushion in our seats. Feels real good, don't it? I've got several copies of the Bible in my house. How about you? I'm not going throughout the I'm not sitting at home going, man, I wish I had a copy of the scriptures. Like some of the other countries that I go to. You know, we'll take boxes of Bibles to some of these countries and I'm telling you, they will swamp us And they will take that Bible and they will, the minute I give it to them, they will hold on to it and they will hug it. Not because they're worried about somebody stealing it. They're holding it because they love it, because they appreciate it. And here we are in America. We have copies after copies after copies and we don't realize that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and we don't realize the power of God wants to work because we take it for granted. Folks, don't take for granted the Holy Spirit of God. Don't take for granted the Holy Word of God because I believe that when we take it for granted, guess what? We stop the power of God in our life. Oh, would to God, we would just get on fire about the Holy Word of God and we would have a revival of Bible reading, amen? Can you imagine if we had a revival of Bible reading? I mean, pastor's phone would probably ring off the hook. Brother, pastor, I was reading this and I need to find out more about this and I don't understand this. Can you help me with this? And your services would probably last a lot longer because you would have a revival of Bible reading. But it's gonna be God working through us. Jesus saw with compassionate eyes the people that needed help, the people that were hungry. He saw a people that needed to see the power of God. Now what did he do? He went through this whole miracle right there and they saw the power of God. Oh, he fed them completely. I mean, they had full stomachs, the Bible says. I love a full stomach, amen. I went to to the restaurant today and I'm telling you, I filled my stomach completely. It was over full. I think I filled my feet too because when I eat, I eat a lot and I love to eat. But these guys were full, the Bible says. There was leftovers from those five loaves and two fish. You say, Brother Mike, scientifically, how do you think that that actually happened? It didn't happen scientifically. It happened Spiritually. It happened because the power of God was working amongst those 5,000 people. Can you imagine as they're sitting there and they begin to see the power of God and this food just begin to multiply and multiply. They see this little lunch in the little lad's hand and they begin to see it multiply. Can you imagine the disciples as they keep giving it out over and over again and they keep going back as they're going back. They're second guessing. Well, it's not going to be enough for all these 5,000 plus people. My goodness, Lord, what are you going to and we're going to have to go back up to the food line and get some more food. And I'm sure they probably doubted on their way back. But every time they went back, there was enough food. Every time they went back, there was enough food. for that entire congregation, that entire group of people, and the Bible says there was so much food, the Bible filled their stomach, God filled their stomach, and there was leftover. That's God's power, amen? Let me tell you something. When God fills your spiritual stomach He fills it up completely. But you know what? It's going to take us eating his holy word. It's going to take us asking God for his power to work in our lives. For us to get out of the way. Every time I get up behind a pulpit, I say, Lord, I stand behind you. I I am standing right behind you. You stand in front of me because I don't want them to see me. I don't want them to hear me. I want to hear your power. I want your power to work to where Christians will get on their hands and, and knees before God and say, Lord, I've got a problem. I've got to fix it. Lord, help me to have your power. Lord, help me to have your strength. Here, Jesus saw compassionate people. He saw people that needed a help, and guess what he did? He gave them the help that they needed. And then the last set of eyes that I want us to look at, first of all, we saw the multitude. Second of all, we saw Jesus. The last set of eyes tonight, and I'm going to close with this, is in Luke chapter number 16. Turn with me there. Luke chapter number 16. And folks, this is a passage of scripture that I know that all of us know, but I don't think we take it, for ser- we don't take it seriously. I don't think it's a passage of scripture that we've ever really meditated enough on to understand the seriousness of what's happening right here. I mean, this is a firsthand account of somebody that is being in torment in hell. And so when I realized that this is Jesus Christ giving us a firsthand account of somebody who is experiencing something that is so terrible and so awful because that's what God wanted to show us so that we would never have to go there. And so in this passage, we see the story. It's not just a story, I don't believe. But here we see about the rich man who passed away. Look in verse number 19 of chapter number 16. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels in Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes. Now, when he lifted up the eyes, that meant that he went into eternity. The Bible says that once we die, we're going to go into eternity. And so when I close my eyes from this life, I'm going to immediately go and open my eyes in eternity. Now that's what's going to happen to all of us. Whether you're young, middle-aged, or old, if you died right now, you would open your eyes immediately in eternity somewhere, one of two places. There is no middle ground, there is no third or fourth place, you will either be in heaven or you will be in hell, the Bible says. And so in this passage of scripture, we see that there was a man that chose to go against God's way. He chose something different than what God said. And so because he chose to go against God, the Bible says that he opened up his eyes and he was in hell. Now I want you to look and see about his experience while he was in hell. The Bible says in verse number 23, and in hell, he lifted up his eyes being in torments. There are a lot of people out there that think to themselves, well, when I get to hell, I'll go ahead and we'll all get together and we'll have a party. There is no joy. There is no peace. There is no happiness. There is no satisfaction in hell whatsoever. The world wants to say there is because the devil wants you there. The world wants to bring you in because the devil wants you there. The world wants to try to shine it up and make it look all good. But let me tell you something, that is a lie from Satan. And so God in his love tells you the truth. He says, wait a minute, I'm going to give you an actual account of somebody who's experienced in hell. The Bible says that they are in torment. Now, torment, it means that they are in suffering And so the Bible says there, in hell, he left up his eyes being in torments. You know, when I started to study that and I started to slow down a little bit, I realized the minute he opened his eyes, he realized he was in torment. He realized he was suffering. He realized he was in a painful situation that he had never experienced before in his entire life. This was something beyond what he had experienced on this earth. And so because he chose to go against God, the Bible says he opened up his eyes. Being, you know what being means? Immediately. That means the minute he opened up his eyes, he was in torment. Oh, you mean, Brother Mike, he didn't sit in a waiting room and then he went into torment? No, he opened his eyes. Being in torment, the Bible says. Look what it also says and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom and he cried and said father Abraham have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. I don't know about you but I've been thirsty before but I've never been that thirsty. I've been thirsty before, but because I've been outside working hard and sweating profusely and your body needs some type of water, needs some type of liquid. And so I can, I can relate to being thirsty, but I cannot relate to a drop of water giving me peace. I cannot relate being so thirsty that just one drop of water would give me some type of satisfaction, would give me some type of relief. One drop of water giving me relief. That's a lot of torment. That's a lot of pain. That's a lot of suffering. The Bible says there, for I am tormented in this what? Flame. Verse number 25. But Abraham said, son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things. And likewise, Lazarus evil things. But now is he comforted and thou art tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great goal fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. Now, here this guy decided he wanted to be a preacher. <laughs> he thought he realized the importance of the message now. <laughs> He realized the importance of the message about Jesus Christ coming to pay for my sin and me accepting Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And so he says, hey, listen, can somebody go tell my family about it? But I see something very interesting in this passage of Scripture. You see, this rich man never once did he say, hey, would you please get me out of this mess? Now, I looked at that and I was like, I know it's not because he likes it. It's because he realizes there's no hope for him anymore. You see, when we pass from this life, folks, the reality is this. That's it. There is no do-over. You're not going to be able to say, well, I went to Great Hope Baptist Church for a revival service. God, you got to let me in because I'm a pretty good person. It ain't going to matter. You may say, well, Brother Mike, you know what? I'm a, I, I go to a Baptist church. I give to... It does not matter. The only thing that's going to matter, folks, and I'm trying to give you the truth tonight, because I believe there are people out there that call themselves Christians that are not saved, and they're going to split hell wide open because they've never accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They think that they're just going to be... God's going to just let them in. Once we close our eyes in death, we're, I, we don't know when that's going to happen. I could die tonight. I don't have a guarantee of tomorrow. I have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. I could die on the road. I could die. My, my heart could stop pounding right this very moment. You may think, well, I'm healthy. There's healthy people that die every single day. There are people that, that don't even realize they're going to die. They die every single day. And yet here we are. If you're you're there sitting in that pew, if you're sitting in that chair without Jesus Christ, you know what you're doing? You are chancing your eternity. You're risking it. Every heartbeat, you're risking it, thinking, oh, I hope and pray I live another day. I hope and pray that I have another breath to breathe. Here he is. He never asked to get out because he knows there's no hope. But guess what he did do? He said, please, send somebody to my father's house to tell my family about it. Look at what verse 28 says. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them lest they also come into this place of torment. Folks, I, I, I am so sick of Christians not realizing the horror of hell. I was telling somebody earlier that I was preaching and I put on my Facebook page this message and then you know what? I get this Facebook message that says they're taking it down because it's hateful rhetoric. And guess what I was doing? I'm trying to tell them the truth about sin. I'm trying to show people the way to heaven. I'm trying to give them the good news, not the bad news. But guess what the devil wants to do? He wants to stop the good news from happening. He wants to stop us from giving the good news. And here it is, a man from hell is saying, please go tell my family, tell my brothers, tell all of my family, lest they also come into this place of torment. He didn't say, hey, tell my five brethren that when they get here, we'll have a good old time. It's not there. It says in verse number 29, Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, nay, father Abraham, but if one went up, (laughs) went unto them from the dead, they will what? Repent. Folks, this man cared about his family, but yet it was too late. You know what that message was? Repent of your sin and be saved. That's the message. That's the same message that I preach every single time I get behind a pulpit. It's the same thing that I try to do all of the time. Trying to reach people, trying to direct people. Because the message is clear and it's alive. And I don't have to be in hell to realize the importance of that message. This rich man says, well, you know what, Father Abraham, it would be so much better if somebody just come up from the dead and tell us the truth. Well, let me tell you something. Somebody did come up from the dead to tell us the truth. (laughs) That was Jesus Christ. You know what? He beat death. (laughs) And in His power, He did all of that so that we would know the truth, so that we don't have to be in torment, so that we don't have to be in that situation to where we are are living with no hope for all eternity. Because listen, when we close our eyes in death and we literally are in torment and we open our eyes in torment, there is no changing our zip code. There is no changing our address. There is no getting out of that. And the Bible says that we will be cast, you will be cast for all eternity separated from God. You know, I believe that he saw the reality of his decision. I believe he regretted his decision. I believe he saw the reality of his experience all because he chose to reject God's way. But I also think that he saw the reality of the message. And that's why he was so passionate. The passion came too late though. Christian, let me ask you this question. Boy, if we could just take that same passion and pick it up right out of the scriptures, out of Luke 16, and put it in our own life, how many people would hear the gospel of Jesus Christ? Oh, you you don't have to worry about somebody coming up from the grave. You can actually tell because of what Jesus Christ has already told us. He wants us to open our eyes tonight. He wants us to open our eyes to the truth and realize the reality of hell. But also realize the reality of heaven. You know, because of what Jesus Christ did for me, I have a home in heaven for all eternity. You say, Brother Mike, you know what? Who's going to be saved? Is it just a few people? Is it just some group of people? The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So guess what? You all's whosoever. So that means any of us in this auditorium, if you call upon the name of Jesus Christ, guess what? You will have a mansion in heaven for all eternity. You won't have to be right here. You won't have to open your eyes and be in torment and be in suffering and be in regret for all eternity. You don't have to do that. Guess what you get to do? If you get saved, just like me, when I open my eyes in death, I'm going to close my eyes in death. I'm going to open my eyes and I'm going to see heaven. I'm going to see Jesus Christ. To be absent from the body <laughs> is to be present with the Lord. Folks, that's my hope. That's my joy. That's my salvation because of what Jesus Christ did for me. It has nothing to do with whether or not I'm a good person. It has nothing to do with my nationality. It has nothing to do with how long I've been in a, in a church. It has nothing to do what I look like. It has everything to do with me Accepting what Jesus Christ did for me. I repented of my sin. I said, Lord, I realize I'm a sinner. And folks, let me just give you a newsflash all of us are sinners. The Bible says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And because of that sin, not one sin can get into heaven. And so if you haven't gotten right with God, if you haven't gotten it straight in your salvation, that that means because of your sin, even if you think it's small, but because of your sin, you cannot enter into heaven. It's impossible. But because of what Jesus Christ did for me, you know what he did? He paid for my sin. Oh man, can you imagine going to a car dealership? And you're just looking around, looking at all the cars. You get seat, find some nice big pickup truck with a big engine and whatever, or a sports car. And you go up to that, and the salesman comes up and says, hey, you can have it. It's already been paid for. Somebody else already paid for it. Boy, you'd be excited about that, wouldn't you? Well, let me tell you something. There's something that's so much better than a car. It is bigger than a house. It's bigger than life. It's salvation where God's already paid for your sin debt. So if you go and die without Jesus Christ, you die in vain because Jesus has already paid for your debt. Christian, let me ask you this question tonight. This week has been a week of revival. We said at the beginning of the week, James 4, 8, draw an eye to God. And he will draw nigh to you. Have you drawn nigh to God to where you felt the holy presence of almighty God take a step closer to you? (laughs) Have you felt it? Do you realize it? Or did you waste this week? Most revivals are wasted. Most revivals are forgotten about. Most revivals are not used to better themselves for Jesus Christ. So let me ask you this question. Are you closer to the Lord tonight? Are your eyes opened to the truth of what God wants you to do individually? But let me ask you this question. Maybe you're here tonight and I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're the pastor's wife. (laughs) I don't care who you are. But if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, let me tell you something. You can know tonight. You could leave here with the joy of your salvation knowing that if you died in a car accident or you died because your heart stopped, you can know for sure that you're going to heaven and you can live this life with the help of God, knowing that your compassionate God is there every single day of your life because he dwells inside of you. And you can do that tonight. You say, Brother Mike, I don't have enough money. I don't, I don't care how much money you got. Well, Brother Mike, I've, I, I, I haven't been to church in a long... It doesn't matter. Well, oh, Brother Mike, you don't understand what I've done in my life. Let me tell you something. There's not a sin that God can't save. There's not a sin that he can't forgive. If you just ask him and say with a humbling heart, Lord, please forgive me of my sin. You see, he did all that because the Bible says, for God, so what? So love the world. That he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. There's no no torment in heaven. (laughs) There's no pain in heaven. There's no suffering. There's no tears. And God says, I want all of you here. I want all of you to be with me. That's what God says tonight. Father, I pray that you open our eyes tonight. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you a question tonight. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, Brother Mike, you know what? I am concerned about my eternity. I'm concerned that if I died right now, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed, so this is not a time to get embarrassed. You don't have to worry about this. It's just a chance for me to just pray for you. So maybe you're here tonight, I don't care who you are. Not going to embarrass you, not going to come get you. But you say, Brother Mike, you know what? If I died right now, I'm not sure that I'd go to heaven and I want you to pray for me. Would you just, in the privacy of this time, slip up your hand real quick and put it back down and say, Brother Mike, would you pray for me? I'm not sure. If I died right now, I would go to heaven. Anyone, anywhere. Say, Brother Mike, please pray for me. Be that first person, if that's you tonight. Say, Brother Mike, I'm not sure that if I died right now, I would go to heaven. Would you just slip it up and put it back down and let me pray for you tonight? Christian, let me ask you this question tonight. Are you closer to God than you were at the beginning of the week. Here's the invitation tonight. If you are, then come forward and praise God for it. If you're not, come forward and ask God to help you to draw closer to him tonight. You see, the revival doesn't stop here. I don't take revival with me. Revival is in the hearts of God's people. And he expects us To do what he wants us to do. And so it's up to you. It's up to me what we all do with revival. And so I pray that you can honestly say, I have drawn closer to God because God spoke to my heart. Father, thank you for speaking to us tonight. Lord, if there's someone here that does not know for sure they're saved, Lord, I pray tonight that they will accept you as Lord and Savior before it's eternally too late. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. If you would stand with me, heads bowed and eyes closed as the pianist begins to play. God's spoken to your heart, I encourage you to come. If you're here this evening and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, well, we'd love to take a Bible and show you how you can know that for sure. Before you leave tonight, don't gamble with your soul. Don't gamble with eternity. We're not going to embarrass you. You're not joining the church, nothing like that. We would just like to share with you how you can know that your sin is forgiven and heaven is your home. Would you come? There's a direct link between our eyes and our heart. Our eyes affect our heart. The Bible says we're to see by faith. You know, the Christian should have a different view of life, a different view of truth, a different view of reality, a different view of eternity because of our relationship with Christ why I think there's a lot of Christians today that have the cataracts of sin clouding their spiritual view sad to think that Christians can wander through life and never see the multitudes that need help and are hungry for the truth. Oh, that we have eyes to see the multitudes. Amen. Thank you so much brother Clark. It's been a wonderful week wonderful week of in the word of God Well, I encourage you as you leave tonight. Make sure you tell brother Clark what a blessing it's been uh, His ministry to us and then also don't forget young people uh, Just a little bit of instruction Um, Of course most of the young people are (laughs) the little ones are out of here So the hopefully their teachers are sending them where they're supposed to go, but from sixth grade and down Uh, they will eat pizza in the fireplace room. The teenagers will eat pizza outside where the activity is taking place right out here. Um, To to my left, the left of the gym here, uh, there should be some uh, lights on out there and it should be lit up. And they'll eat pizza out here in this direction as well as uh, play their activities. Uh, The sixth grade and down, it's pizza. I think they have cookies and, and some drink. Uh, and so uh, parents if you want to just make sure your young person is headed that way or if you don't know where they are that's probably where they are All right. so don't forget to pick them up that's important all right that's important so uh, and then the teenagers are are uh, being out here on the field uh, just a reminder we have men's prayer breakfast in the morning at eight o'clock looking forward to that and then uh, guys come and pray we don't have to set the chairs up that's a blessing uh, so uh, so uh, That's one of those things that uh, normally we do on men's prayer breakfast. And then also um, Sunday services on Sunday. I hope you're in prayer for those. And God will use the Sunday services in our hearts. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for what we've heard this evening. We thank you for the challenge from your word. And Father, I pray that we would be um, Christians who can see the multitudes and the need that's around us. Father, help our eyes to be stayed on Thee. Lord, that we would have our hope and our security in um, your sovereignty. And, Father, your ability to provide in a, in a crazy world, in a world that's full of sin. Lord, I pray that we would have hearts and eyes that are fixated on you and your will. And, Father, we do pray for the one that's here tonight. We think of in a crowd this size, there's at least one that doesn't know Jesus as their Savior. Father, I pray that they would see the need of salvation before it's eternally too late. Pray that you'd bless uh, the activities to follow. Lord, may our young people have a wonderful time. Bring us back again on Sunday, ready to worship. And Lord, with hearts um, full and drawing closer to thee. We love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.